0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Today we're going to discuss an interesting topic, uh, the escalator to God. And that is uh, a ladder. The ladder to God is made up of different rungs. The ladder to God is made up of different rungs. And the first rung is basically the rung of parenting. The rung of parenting, which doesn't apply so much to kids, but applies to adults. That we provide the baseline for our children parents apply uh, the baseline to their children by giving them direction in life and by giving them some kind of base, some kind of morals and ethics to base their lives on. So it's a very important idea. The idea of parenting is the first rung of the ladder, transmitting the building blocks of character to our children. So a parent's job is to transmit the building blocks of character to their children, And to mold the child's character. So even if one is not capable of teaching the child, the actual text of the Torah, the Chumash, the Mishnah, the Gemara, is still obligated to instill within the child Torah values and morals. So ethics, morality, midot, what we call midot, the character traits of a person should be molded by their parents. And that's the first rung of the ladder. The first rung of the ladder is even... At the early ages of childhood, the parents teach the child morality and ethics. So even if a parent is not very well educated in the Torah, at least they have the values, they can pass that to the children. And that is the critical first rung of the ladder, is the values, the values that a child gets from his parents. That's the first rung of the ladder, the escalator to God. The first rung is the midot, traits, character traits. Now it's interesting, the word midot, is really measurements. We find that the Torah talks about in Parsha Noah, the midot of the teva. The midot, midot are measurements that a person has to weigh and measure the parts of their personality. A person has to weigh and measure the personality traits they have. So the midot they have, which hopefully they get from their parents and they're trained in from an early age, that will be the first rung of the ladder. And then the child who grows up has to perfect his traits. We are uh, obligated to perfect our traits. We are obligated to be Godlike in a sense, to emulate Hashem and His middot, and we have to try and be Godlike in that sense to perfect our traits. So I'm going to base these series of classes, the Escalated to God, on a very famous letter written by the Ramban, Nachmanides, Moshe ben Nachmon ben Nachman, Moshe ben Nachman, who came slightly after the Ramban slightly after Moshe ben Maibon, and the Rambam uh, lived in Spain, and in his old age, he moved to Eretz Israel, and eventually to Yushalayim, where he built the synagogue of the Ramban. If you go to the old city today, you'll go right next to the beautiful, rebuilt Khurbah synagogue. Is a small synagogue called the synagogue of the Ramban, Beth Ramban, built by the Ramban, when he moved to Israel in his old age. He was forced to move to Israel by King Alfonso of Spain, who made a disputation between the Ramban and the priests. And in those days, it was very common for Jews to be forced to dispute their Torah against the priests. And usually the rabbi was forced to lose, and the Jews were forced to convert. However, the Ramban, instead of losing, he actually won the disputation, and he wasn't allowed to write it down. He wasn't allowed to write down all his reasoning, And when he did, he was forced to leave Spain, and he went to Israel. So the good part is he moved to Israel in his old age, but the bad part was he left behind his sons. At least two sons he left behind, and to his two sons he writes this famous letter, Igeret HaRamban, the famous letter of the Ramban. It's a very, very short letter, but it's a short letter which some customs have to read it every single day of Elul. Leading up to Rosh Hashanah. It's a very short letter. We're going to go through parts of the letter. And the first part of the letter is, became a song, very famous song. Shema uh, Bani Musar Avicha, based on Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. Shema Bani Musar heed my son the discipline of your father. Ve'alti and don't lead the Torah of your mother. So the discipline of your father and the Torah of your mother. The rabbi's Rashi explains the discipline of your father is the written law. The written law is the discipline of the father, and the oral law is the guidance of the mother. The written law is the discipline of the father, and the guidance of the mother is the oral law. So it's interesting that the first thing he talks about is following in the ways of one's parents. Following the ways of one's parents based on Mishlei Proverbs, King Solomon, And uh, parents are our traditions, very, very important. The first step of the ladder is we said before was midot, but over here, the Ramban gives before midot, he gives us a little inkling. The first step of the ladder is minhag Israel, is the customs of Israel, is the Torah of Israel. Because where do good traits come from? And the answer is they have to be written down somewhere. And the answer is the Torah, the Torah is the book not just our mitzvot, positive and negative commandments, it's also also a book of stories which teach us how to behave, how would our forefather Abraham behave in this situation how would Yitzhak our forefather how would Sarah and Rachel and Leah and Rivka behave in these situations so the book of the Torah is not just a book of commandments, also a book of ethics and morality based on things our forefathers did. Therefore, the first line in this Ramban's letter to his children is, listen to the ethics of your father and the discipline of your mother. So it's very, very important, critical. We follow the ways of our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents all the way back to our forefathers and mothers. Number two, he says, very important line. It's very, very, very difficult to, to do this, I tried to do it in my life, but I failed a few times. Um, Accustom yourself to speak gently to all people at all times. I just want to repeat that again. Accustom yourself to speak gently to all people at all times. This is a very, very, it sounds very easy, right? To speak gently to all people. You get a person riled up and all of a sudden they're not speaking gently anymore. They're screaming, they're shouting, they're angry. So it's a very interesting statement. Uh, the Ramban gives his sons, Tidnaheg <inaudible> literally comes from the word of Accustom yourself. A person should try and accustom themselves to speak their words very softly, very quietly, very gently. So what does it mean? Accustom oneself. Get into a good habit. Habituate yourself to speak gently to all people, even if you're in an angry, even if you're in a bad mood, even if the person rubs you wrong. Speak to everyone in a gentle tone of voice. Speak to everyone in a quiet, peaceful tone of voice. So that is something which a person's got to accustom oneself to. It's It's a habit which has to be learned. So to be able to habituate oneself, to speak gently to all people, a person must be prepared for unusual situations. We must always be prepared for unusual situations in life. Unfortunately, the test in life, Hashem throws us curveballs, and the test just comes out of the blue. The most unexpected situations for the most unexpected people, usually one's relatives, because those are the people we are with all the time, usually with people we work with, usually with our friends. All of a sudden, the person, everything is even keel. All of a sudden, there's a curveball in a relationship. People get upset, and people start losing their equanimity. I like this word, equanimity. Very, very important for a person to have equanimity. Always speak gently, always speak quietly, always speak softly not to go off at the deep end, equanimity. So that's what the Ramban says. Number one is listen to your customs, listen to your fathers and your grandfathers, the morality of the fathers, morality of the parents, morality of the mothers, uh, the ethics of the mothers, as brought down to us in the Torah, in the written law, and also in the oral law, all the stories of the Torah, of how our forefathers behaved in in desperate situations, in hard situations, We have to learn. Number two is speak softly to all people at all times. How do you get to that state? Ramban Ramban says habituate yourself, habituate yourself, accustom yourself to speaking softly, accustom yourself to having equanimity, not to go off of the deep end, try and stay level keel. And to have peace of mind at all times, which you have to talk about. So these things sound very simple, but they're very, very difficult. It's very easy to be um, at level, at evil, even peel when everything is going right and no one's throwing uh, uh, bad words at a person or screaming at a person or attacking a person. But it's very hard in times of stress to keep calm and speak softly. So the Ramban says to his sons, Accustom yourselves. Be prepared. Don't let unnerving situations catch you by surprise. Don't let trying situations catch you by surprise. Resolve to make every effort, not to surrender to panic or rage. This is very, very important. Speak gently, even in tension-packed situations. Even when the atmosphere is charged with hostility, Even when you must confront your enemy, even when you're obliged to admonish someone for a terrible misdeed, speak gently. Gentle words have more force than crescendos of indignation. This is so hard to do. And sometimes we go off, we get angry, we get upset. Ramban says, no, sons, my sons, please listen to me. Number one is follow the words of your parents, the guidance of your parents, the guidance of the written law, the guidance of the oral law, the guidance of our forefathers. Number two is accustom yourself to act with equanimity. Always speak gently, always speak calmly. Try not to lose your temper. So then he says, to all human beings, to all people, try and speak gently to all people Not only to friends, not only to spouses. By the way, you said spouses can be hard at times as well. But not only to be close with, but speak gently to everyone. I just want to tell you a little story. This amazing story my mother told me about my grandfather, David Cohen. I'm named after him. David Cohen, my grandfather, he was living in the middle of a jungle somewhere. And uh, there were all kinds of wild people and wild beasts around. And he was, was a very calm person. He had tremendous faith in God. She says, I mean, this story, I would never believe the story if she wouldn't say it. She was an eyewitness to the story. The story is that two men come to my grandfather in the afternoon. There's no one around, just his, him and his family, his, his wife and his daughters. And the, the one guy is really mad with him. We don't, I don't know what the story was. I don't know why the bus was mad but the person came with a gun and put a gun to my grandfather's head and said, I don't know what he said. And he was screaming at my grandfather, I'll kill you, I'll kill you. And my grandfather, my mother says, was completely calm. He didn't reply. He just said, what do you want? What do you want? Very calmly, very slowly. And eventually the guy's temper wore off, screaming his head off. And uh, screaming and shouting, and his friend was trying to calm him down. He said, "No, I'll kill him." I fought, my grandfather was calm, and and ever so uh, slowly, the man put his gun down, put it back in his sheath, and he went off with his friend. So that's a story. Just the benefits of staying calm. I learned the benefits of staying calm uh, very early in life from uh, the president of our shul, David Elias, I love her, Shalom. Uh, we had a very hot-headed crowd in the shul. Um, They were Jews from the Far East, each one, you know, hot chili. Uh, Hot chilies, the spices uh, made each one uh, a little bit uh, hot. And they would scream at him and shout at him sometimes. And he would answer very calmly and very coolly. I learned from an early age, try and stay calm. When when you're calm, you're in control. When you're not calm, you lose control very fast. So it's very important to stay calm. And this is what the Ramban tells his sons. Stay calm, my friends. Stay calm, my sons. Habituate yourself to stay calm. To all people, treat all people with equal respect and sensitivity. React calmly to some who have just insulted you. Remain calm even when an irritating nuisance pesters you incessantly. So one's parents, one's spouses, one's children, be as calm and courteous to your immediate family as you are to your superior or your most important client. This is a very important rule to stay calm, answer calmly, answer gently. Behold it at all times. Never lose your temper, even when you are exhausted, even when you are drained, even when you're disappointed, even when you're aggravated even when you're shocked, even when you're confused, even when you are terrified, even when the whole world seems to be crashing down on your head, keep calm, react slowly and deliberately, and speak gently. I mean, this is really, this is one of the hardest things to do. Most people reply with their temper. You know, it's interesting. There's a beautiful line, again, King Solomon, Shlomo Melach in Mishle. He says, V'akas anger rests in the breast pocket of fools you know one of the things we do we put our most important things next to us and that is a person's wallet usually in their pocket next to them or in a purse right next to them always carrying around their wallets always carrying on the credit cards always carrying on the cell phones well some people use anger to everything they reply with anger to everything so king solomon says Anger will be rest in the breast pockets of fools. That's the most used object they have is their anguish. Well, here the Ramban is telling his sons, please protect your peace of mind. Our most precious possession is our peace of mind. One's peace of mind is their most precious possession. And how does one keep their most precious possession, the peace of mind? And the answer is by replying to everyone gently and not losing one's temper. There's a beautiful Zohar. The Zohar says three people are especially beloved by Hashem. Number one, a person who does not lose control of their temper. Number one, a person does not lose control of their temper. Number two, a person who does not become drunk. Hashem does not like people who lose their temper. Hashem does not like a person who becomes drunk. In a sense, they're both similar because they both lose control. And number three, a person who does not demand their full rights it was they're willing to give and take. They're willing to make some kind of since, um, some kind of agreement which doesn't fulfill all their desires and all their wishes. Even though, according to the letter of the law, they may, may be entitled to more, they're willing to adjudicate. They're willing to come to some kind of agreement. So, that is something, three things that Hashem loves. Number one, a person who never loses their temper. How does a person not lose their temper? By speaking calmly all the time. Uh, I have a beautiful story. One of my favorite stories is, is my rabbi, uh, Rabbi Kassim. I witnessed Rabbi Kassin, a guy, who, I was happened to be in the office when someone, was enraged, came to the rabbi and started screaming at the rabbi for some reason. He had a valid reason, by the way, (laughs) but he was screaming at the rabbi. And the rabbi kept calm. I'll never forget how the rabbi kept calm. And how did he calm the other person down? He says, I have a policy. I never speak to someone who is angry. I never speak to someone who lost their temper. You know, it's a no-win situation. When you speak to someone who's angry, you'll never win. So the best policy is... You tell the guy, come back tomorrow. I saw this thing worked amazingly. Come back tomorrow. I cannot speak to you now because I have a policy of not speaking to anyone who is angry. Wow, that's an amazing policy. We should make that our policy. I cannot speak to anyone who has lost their temper. I cannot speak to anyone who is angry. And I myself will try my best to never lose it. Try one's best to stay calm. That's the first thing the Ramban tells his children after listening to the adults, and listening to the betters, and keeping the, the morality and the ethics of the Torah. First thing, the, the second step of the ladder is staying calm. Answer, answer everyone with calm. Answer everyone with peace of mind. Keep your peace of mind. Keep your equanimity. And a person who stays calm and doesn't lose their temper, the Zohar says, is beloved by Hashem. And the Zohar says, number two is a person who doesn't get drunk. Beloved by Hashem. A person who's willing to make a deal. To, to, uh, not to insist on getting everything they want. To come, come to some kind of compromise is the secret of, of Shalom Bayit. Compromise is the secret of Shalom Bayit. And that is a key that Hashem loves. Three things that Hashem loves: not losing one's temper, not getting drunk, and to make a deal, to make a compromise with someone you're fighting with. So it's very important to be calm. Uh, this is a person should have their personal credo. Person should make this credo of being calm in life. This is from Rabbi Avi Shulman. He writes in his book Lifelines: "I am calm." serene and in total control at all times so hard so hard i am unaffected by the emotions of others i will not allow anyone to unnerve me i will not allow anyone to project their problems on me i am clear assertive pleasant i speak in a low voice never degrading and never negative i do nothing rash Accept no condition I am nice, but firm, pleasant, but resolute, delightful, but determined, cordial, but tenacious, respectful, but unyielding, gracious, but immutable. I may not be able to control other people or situations, but I can always control my attitude. And that's what the Mishnah says. Ezu gi-bor, ha-ko-vesh who is mighty, a person who can control themselves. We have to learn. Second stage of the ladder is to learn how to control oneself, how to control one's emotions, how to control one's temper, how to control one's attitude. Number three, peace of mind. It's a key to spiritual growth. Serenity is a trademark of a person who is truly godly. How do you know who is spiritual? You see them serene all the time, You see them happy all the time. The pers- only a person who has trust in God can be calm and composed at all times. And this is displayed by their soft and gentle manner of speech. A man of faith is soothed by the advice of King David. So the King David says in Psalm 55, verse 23. This is a beautiful line. Try and say this line to yourself. I'll tell you the Hebrew and then the English. Gol el hashe a godly person is filled with confidence. Cast upon Hashem your burden, and he will sustain you. If a person puts their burdens on Hashem, Hashem will sustain us. He will never allow the faltering of the righteous. Very, very important idea to stay calm with equanimity. Of to stay calm with equanimity. And that is by putting their trust in Hashem. On the other hand, a person who feels that a person alone carries all their burdens on their own shoulders can be overwhelmed by the weight of their responsibilities. Such an attitude leads to strong anxiety and tension. The anxious person who fails to share his problems with God views his environment as hostile and threatening. So faith can make a cruel world less forbidding, In such a world, a person can start to speak softly. So it's very important to speak softly, not to lose one's temper. And Shoal Melech says, in Kohelet 9, verse 17, The words of the wise, spoken gently, can be heard. The person who speaks gently to others, people will listen to them. The person who speaks courteously, and quietly, where others speak to him, his words will be heard. The rung of the ladder. The Ramban continues, he says, if you speak softly, he tells his sons, you will be saved from anger. It's interesting. We cause our own anger. We trigger our anger by our attitudes By the words we say to ourselves. We say the words, oh, this is impossible. This is intolerable. I don't have to stand for this. I'm not going to put up for this. These are the words that lead to anger. So, Ma'aneh Rach. Proverbs chapter 15. Again, King Solomon chapter 15, verse 1. Ma'aneh Rach, Yashiv Chema. A soft answer turns away wrath. But a distressing word stirs up anger. How we answer, if we answer someone who is angry quietly and softly, with reason, with logic, the guy will not have a means to be angry. His anger will evaporate. He won't know what to do. But if a person retorts with anger, the other person's anger will burn even more. So it's very important to stay calm. And by staying calm, keeps a person away from anger. Stay calm and keep yourself away from anger. Respond always in a soft and gentle tone. Your words may be able to soothe. The other says, sometimes people come to us and ask us for money, ask us to help them. And we're not able to help them. He says, nevertheless, use a calm tone. Soothe them with your voice, even if you cannot soothe them with your actions. Beautiful idea. Soothe someone with your voice, even if you cannot soothe them. With your actions. We find the famous Mishnah. Purke Avot. There are four types of angry people. The first one is easy to get angry, but easy to pacify. Mishnah says what they lost, they gained. Their temper they lost, they gained by being easy to pacify. Number two, hard to lose their temper, but hard to pacify. What they gained by being hard to lose their temper, they lost by being hard to pacify. Hard to lose the temper and easy to pacify. That is the ideal. That's what we have to strive for in our lives. Try not to lose one's temper. Be hard to lose one's temper and always be easy to pacify. Don't bear grudges very hard. So, some people, they lose their temper very rarely, but when they do, oh boy. They bear grudges till the end. So here we're talking about the opposite. Talking about a person who's very hard to lose their temper, but very easy to pacify, does not bear grudges. And the worst trait is easy to lose one's temper and hard to pacify. So a person should be tried their best, never lose one's temper. person should try their best. So the Ramban says, how? Custom oneself to speaking quietly. Accustom oneself to having peace of mind. Accustom oneself, not breaking under stress. So a person's always going to be ready. We don't know when the test's going to come. There's always a test in life. There's always a test in life. You know, every every morning I go to the college. I learn for a couple hours. I can't learn all day, but I learn for a couple hours. I try my best. I learn for a couple hours. Every time I get there, someone's moved my table. Someone's moved my chair. And it's a big test, I tell you, because... You want, to, you want to lose it. Uh, who moved my table? I'm going there. My table's gone. My chair's gone. Every morning, I've got to move the table back. Every morning, I've got to hunt for chairs. So, Baruch Hashem, we're going to try our best to keep that temper under control, keep that animal inside under control. And we do that by speaking softly and accustoming oneself. A person to try and get into this custom of not losing a temper. It's a habit. Form a good habit of speaking softly Speaking quietly, speaking gently and not losing one's temper. Because, boy, when the test comes, you've got to be ready for it. When the test comes, a person's got to be ready for the test. I was sitting in shul one day and the guy behind me starts pushing my chair from behind as if I'm taking his space. So luckily there was a guy in the shul who rushed over and moved everything around. And but the guy is really getting into me, but I just say, "Can't," I didn't get involved. But Hashem passed that test. But there's other tests I didn't pass. I can't tell you about them. <laughs> but, uh, everyone has, everybody has a temper. We just got to keep it under control, under tight control. And a person does that by not raising their voice, trying not to raise one's voice. <inaudible> Ecclesiastes Koheret, chapter seven verse nine, King Solomon says. Don't be hastily upset, as I mentioned. Why? Because anger rests in the, in the breast pocket of fools. Don't be easy to get angry. One cannot conquer anger without wisdom. The person who can conquer their temper shows they are wise people. So there's many different books written about this topic. How to keep control. Rashid Hochma, the beautiful book, Rashid Hochma, Rabbi Yitzhak Arama. He says, look at what he says. This is very hard to do because a person would not want to do this. Set aside a sum of money that you will give away to Siddhaqah if you allow yourself to be angered. Be sure the amount you designate is sufficient to force you to think twice before you lose your temper. Wow. a person says, you know what? I'll give $100 to Siddaka every time I lose my temper. I'll give $500. Oh for that." That's a bitter pill to swallow. I'll give a thousand dollars to Sedarai if I lose my temper. They'll try their, they'll try their best not to lose their temper. Amazing, amazing advice from Rabbi Yitzchak Arama in Rashid Hochma. And she uh, called Adam, It's a man's good sense to be slow to anger, and his glory to pass over anger to pass over a transgression. This is Proverbs chapter nineteen. And there was Rabbi Menachem Me'iri. This is the famous Me'iri, a commentary on the whole Talmud, which was only recently discovered in the Vatican. Because The Vatican confiscated a lot of Jewish books in the Middle Ages. And this one of the books which is confiscated. Many books that he wrote on the Talmud were confiscated. And they were not even books. They were manuscripts. And today we have the whole set of Me'iri, Baruch Hashem, on the whole Talmud. Amazing, amazing brilliance. He explains the Talmud, mostly according to Rambam. Rambam does not explain Talmud. Rambam gives you the bottom line. The Meiri comes along and explains, mostly according to Rambam, how the Rambam would learn the Talmud. So Menachem Meiri says the following story. It's an amazing story, very nice story. There was once a righteous king who had one major fault. And his fault was he got angered very easily. To overcome this tendency, he wrote three lines on a sheet of paper. Number one, always remember you are a creature and you are not the creator. You are a creature created by God and you are not the creator. Who are you to lose your temper? It's a sign of pride. So number one is I'm a creature, I'm not the creator. Number two, always remember you are flesh and blood and you will eventually perish, Oh God. That's a, that's a tough one to remember. Number three, always remember that there will be mercy for you in the future if you have mercy on others. Hashem has mercy on those who have mercy on others. So again, these three lines, For loses their temper, read these three lines. Number one, I am a creature, not the creator. Number two, I am flesh and blood. And number three is have mercy on others and Hashem will have mercy on you. So it's a lifetime struggle not to lose one's temper, to regain one's equanimity, to be pleasant to everyone, even in certain situations. There's a famous story about Moshe Feinstein. Now, don't try this on anyone, Not advocate. Moshe Feinstein was a great man. It says he was given a ride by someone, and he hopped in, the, you know, the person, gen, the gentleman, he opened the door for Moshe Feinstein, closed the door for Moshe Feinstein, Rav Moshe Feinstein's fingers were caught in the door when they were closed, and he didn't utter a sound. He didn't scream, he didn't shout. Well, he can imagine what kind of pain he was in. He didn't want to upset the person who gave him a ride, and therefore he kept his mouth under control, he kept his anger under control. Amazing story. There's another story of Moshe Feinstein. He says he bought one of the first beautiful shafts that printed the Talmud. They reprinted the Schultzinger brothers. They had a beautiful print of the Talmud. He bought the first one, the first editions. And one of his students come to the house and knocks over. In those days, people would write with inkwells. They would dip their, their pens in the ink. I remember when I was in school in London, we still had desks with inkwells. We never had ink and inside the inkwells, thank God. Otherwise, imagine how many accidents there would be, I was past that that time. But we still had the vestiges of inkwells and and quills dipping into the ink oils. We had the ink oils. We didn't have the quills. We didn't have the ink. Can you imagine the ink fell all over the Talmud's Rab Moshe Feinstein's brand new edition? And he came back and he said, he smiled and he said, the Talmud still looks beautiful. Can you imagine equanimity, the ability to control one's anger, the ability to control one's emotion. That is a gift from Hashem, the person that I pray for all the time. Please, Hashem, give me the power to control myself. Give me the power to control my yetzerah. Give me the power to control my emotions. Anger is a very serious flaw in character. As the Ramban continues, it's a terrible trait, to cause people to sin. Anger is not only an individual character trait. It is a barometer of a person's personality. And that's the famous Talmud. Talmud says a person can be known in three things: the kiso, the koso, the A person can be known in his three traits: the kiso and his pocketbook. Where does the money? Where is the money spent on? Is the money spent on its sport? Is the money spent on helping others? Is the money spent on frivolities? Where is the money spent on? Or how mean is a person with their money? Are they easy? to give to others, or they're slow, they're miserly. Bekiso, bekoso. what does a person drink their cup, raise their cup to? They drink the cup, they raise the cup of wine for uh, sports, for their team won, their team did well at the Olympics, or do they raise their cup for things of value? Kiddush on Shabbat, raise a cup to God. Bekaso, what makes a person angry? Does a person get angry for silly things? for things that they are not, shouldn't get angry about or the person get angry because they see acts of violence or they see acts of injustice. What makes a person anger, angry? So we're not allowed to lose our tempers. A Jew is not allowed to lose their temper. The Rambam says one of the traits the person going to keep, normally the Rambam says, stay in the golden mean of every trait. But the anger, he says, stay the far end, keep to the extreme of never getting angry. Even though he says you're allowed to show temper. The between getting angry, losing it, and showing temper, he says, in two cases, for educational purposes, to one's children and one's students. A person can show anger, the teacher can show anger, a parent can show anger, but not lose the temper, not to lose control. That's a very important idea. Losing control, the Talmud says, is like worshipping idols. A person who loses themselves to anger is considered to have worshipped idols. Wow. What does that mean? That means once a person loses control, they lose the ability to listen to God. It's like they worship anger, idolatry. Why? Because when a person gets angry, they feel like I am the greatest. I am in control of everything. I can do whatever I want. They forget there's a creator above them. So that is like idolatry. And although an otherwise sensitive person, person when they get angry, in a fury may come to humiliate other people publicly, which is like one of the worst things a person can do, is to humiliate someone in public. So it's very important to try their best not to humiliate anyone. Eliyahu Nabi says, it's the saying of Eliyahu Nabi in Brachot 29a, if you never come to anger, you will never come to sin. Amazing concept. Anger is one of the roots of evil. Uh, I just want to tell you this amazing story. Sefer hasidim in number 655. He says, amazing concept, amazing story. Once there was a son who was extraordinarily respectful to his father, Baruch Hashem. He looked after his father. He listened to his father. On his deathbed, the father said, my son, you honored me in my lifetime. Now I want you to honor me and keep my wishes after my death. I command If you ever get angry, overcome your anger and sleep it over. Don't lose your temper just then. Let the night go by, at least one night go by, to calm down and and do things without anger. After his father's death, the son was forced to go on a journey. He was a merchant trying to make a living for his wife. And unbeknown to him, when he left his wife, she was pregnant. After his years of absence, the husband comes home unannounced, hopefully to surprise his wife and give his wife a pleasant surprise. As he approached his bedroom, what does he see? He sees his wife embracing a handsome young man, a stranger. The husband becomes very jealous. He takes out his dagger, wants to kill them both. Then he remembers what he promised his father many years ago. He will not lose his temper until he slept it over, and he puts the the dagger back in the in the sheath, and he goes into the room. And his wife is so happy to see him, and she explains this young man is their son. The son he left her pregnant when he left, and this is the young man who she was hugging was no other than his son. So, can <laughs> imagine that boy he's a uh, man when he came back. He says. Thank God I listened to my father. I could have killed my family. I could have killed my dear wife. I could have killed my own son. So it's very important to control one's temper. That's a very important idea. Personality traits, curing one's temper. The Ramban continues. Whoever flares up in anger is subject to the discipline of gay nam. Boy, they're punished in gay nam and hell. So, a very important idea. Keep away from anger. Now we come to the next step of the ladder. So number one, we had was listen to the ethics and the morals of your parents and your grandparents and the forefathers of the Torah. Number two, we have this idea of keeping away from anger. Speak softly to everyone. Number three, it continues, the Ramban continues, the next step in the ladder to God. When you are saved from anger, You will get in your heart the trait of humility. Wow, amazing. Humility. An angry person cannot be a humble person because the anger demonstrates resentment. The pride is wounded. They seek to compensate their pride by putting their personal wants and opinions before others. So interesting. A person who has pride Pride leads to anger. A person who has no anger, that leads to humility. So this is amazing. This idea of humility is a sterling quality. The Ramban continues. He mikol Humility is the best trait from all the other traits. Humility is the ladder. This is Rambam's rights in his ethical world. Humility is the ladder leads to sublime heights. Humility is the ladder. There's no ornament as attractive as humility. Humility is the next rung of the ladder. Humility is the key to attaining the gamut of excellent character traits. Humility is like a spiritual superconductor. Electricity does not flow smoothly to all metal. So some metals, if they cool down, act as superconductors. There's no resistance in the wire. The electricity can flow. Good traits flow through the super conductor called humility humility can cause divine energies to flow through a person like nothing else humility's hallmarks are number one we said speaking gently; number two accepting praise even if it's undeserved the person who's humble will know that praise is not meant for me it's not going to go to my head Genuine humility increased in proportion to the humble person's success. The more successful the person is, the more humble they become. That's so hard. Usually it's the opposite. Because why? They'll say that my success did not come from me. My success came from Hashem. It's so hard to do something successfully and then attribute one's success to Hashem. And that is true humility. That was. That's why David Amelas was one of the most humble people. And he says... I am, a, I am a, a little worm and not a man. David Amelach says. Abraham said, I am dust and ashes. Moshe and Aaron says, What are we? We are nothing. So, different levels of humility. David Amelach, one of the most successful kings we ever had, he attributed all his success to God and he stayed very humble. Making amends, a humble person does everything in their power to forgive and forget, to raise an incident from their mind. A humble person can accept accepts suffering, even the harshest blows. That's a very hard thing to do from God. It's from God. So it's a humble person, acceptance. So accepting praise, response to success, staying humble, making amends to other people, avoiding revenge and acceptance. Humility. And humility, one of the most humble people around was Moshe Rabbeinu. He was Anav Meod Mikol Adam. You cannot be a true prophet and have an ego. Why? Because the vision is explained by the prophet. The vision is filtered through the prophet's ego. And therefore, if a prophet has a big ego, his vision will be filtered through his ego and he'll be explaining the vision for his own benefit. So that is why. The true prophets have no ego there and now they're humble. Moshe Abenu was the key. His prophecy was through a clear glass. Why? He never had an ego to filter the prophecy through. However, all the other prophets did have egos, even though it's very minor. And therefore, their prophecy was like seen through frosted glass. That's how the rabbis explained the difference between the prophecy of Moshe Abenu and other prophets. His prophecy was through a clear glass. His humility, he never had an ego. He can see things without filtering through his ego. Okay, now we come to the next step in the ladder. So we had three steps so far. Number one is following in the steps of our fathers. Following the steps of our mothers. Learning our traits from our parents and grandparents and the Torah. Number two, we had speak softly to all people. Number three, we had keep away from anger. And number four, we had humility. And now we come to number five. In the steps of humility comes fear of God. The fear of God, through humility, the fear of God will intensify in your heart. Why? It's a person who surrenders to God. It's a person has many choices. We have many choices in life. And what a person does is surrender their choice, their free will to God. For example, a person who likes to smoke, bar me none, a person should never smoke. It's a bad trait, bad habit. It uh, ruins a person's health. It ruins a person's life. It takes away eight minutes. It says an average cigarette takes away eight minutes from a person's life. But say a person has a very bad habit They smoke, but they want to change. They want to change. So even though they have a free will, they say, God, I'm going to give you my free will of smoking. A wants to break Shabbat and say, God, I'm going to give you my free will. I'm sacrificing my free will to you. That takes humility to know a person's place in the divine scheme. A person has to know where we are, where we are, where God is. And we have had free choices. Let's submit our free choice to God. Let's sacrifice our free choice to God. And that is fear of God. Make your will like his will, and he will make his will like your will. Bricky Avot says, How do we make what is the key to making our will His will? Number one is humility, and number two is fear of God. It leads to fear of God. So, this is the key. There's a connection between humility and fear of God. Where we see this? It says of wisdom in Psalm 111 Rashid Chokhmah Yirat Hashem. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of Hashem. That's very interesting. The beginning of wisdom, not all wisdom, not college wisdom, but divine wisdom, Torah wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is fear of Hashem. You find people who learn Torah and forget it the next day. Why? Because the key is fear of God. The key is fear of God. I'm using this wisdom to change my life. I'm using this wisdom that I'm gaining in order to grow in fear of God and to grow in service of God. So, if a person doesn't use that wisdom to grow in fear of God and wisdom of God, the wisdom will evaporate. So, Rishit Hogma Yirat Hashem, the, the beginning of wisdom is fear of Hashem. The key to wisdom in Torah wisdom, the key to divine wisdom is fear of Hashem, which does not apply to any other kind of wisdom. How does a person acquire love and fear of Hashem? And the answer is by contemplating, Rambam says, uh, God's handiwork. Analyze God's handiwork. Just look at the beauty of creation. Look at the complexity of creation. Rama says, if you examine the complexity of creation, you'll get to love and fear of God. Examining the creation that we have. Hashem created such an intricate world. You know, Today, people are talking about the environment, talking about the ecology. The world is warming up because we were careless. We never looked after our world. We have to look after our world. Hashem gave us this world. He tells Adam, I'm putting you in the garden. To, go- to use it, to, to work it, and also to guard it. But we are working the world. We're using up all the resources of the world. We are we guarding the world? That's something people are just coming to the realization. We are bad caretakers of this world. We are destroying this world. But that applies also to our worlds, our intricate worlds. This world of the soul. We have to be guardians of our soul as well. And how does a person become guardians of their soul? By having your mind, having fear of God. Not choosing all the, making the bad choices, but giving our choice over to God. Sacrificing our free will to God's will. And we see Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was the most humble person around. So this is explained as he was the pinnacle of success. This is the Telza Rav. He says, Moshe Benu was the pinnacle of success and he still remained humble. Humility depends more than anything else upon the personal yastic one chooses. Okay. If a person who's tall measures himself against the sun, he's very short. So if a person measures themselves against God, what are we? Compared to God, God is the genius, God is the all-knowing, God is brilliant, God is all-powerful, so what are we? Moshe Rabbeinu knew God like no one else. Compared, Always compared himself to God, and that's how he kept his humility, so we compare ourselves to God all the time. If we can think about God all the time, if we can think about the greatness of God all the time, we say, every bracha, we say, Melech Haolam is the king of the universe, he is the master of the world. God is the master of the world, the true master of the world. We must never forget, every time we make a bracha, the greatness of God and the insignificance and the smallness of man. And that will keep us humble. And humility is based on not losing one's temper and knowing God, Ezra Shem will get to that level and will continue next week. The escalator to God. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahanyTime.com.